And we continue today's morning show by speaking with acclaimed broadcast journalist Soledad O'Brien about a documentary film that she has created that has been airing on Hearst television stations across the country, tonight airing on Milwaukee's uh, WISN. And uh, it's called Outbreak, the First Response. And it takes us back to the earliest days of the COVID-19 crisis in the United States, focusing on the battleground of Seattle, Washington, uh, which was a very uh, serious hotspot for covid uh, early on. Uh, Soledad O'Brien, we welcome you to the morning show. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate it. So remind us, first of all, why Seattle? That is, why Seattle was such a trouble spot uh, early in the COVID-19 crisis. Uh, are we still sorting out, actually, what factors were at play in, in terms of making this such a, a serious hotspot? For us, uh, yes. The answer is we are still in many ways sorting that out. But for us, Seattle was first in the nation. And so we wanted to explore what happens to the city that is really the first in the nation that has to deal with this outbreak, the worst public health crisis in 100 years. With a public health department that is underfunded and understaffed, as most are, frankly, around the country, public health, as you well know, has been, you know, funding has been cut. Over, over the last you know, 20, 30 years under every administration, Democratic administrations, Republican administrations. And so how would they deal with this crisis as they were also first in the nation? We were shooting a doc actually on homelessness in Seattle when coronavirus broke out. And so we turned to our attention to what was happening in public health, following embedding with the public health department, and then seeing how they dealt with the most vulnerable populations, people in nursing homes who we know had a huge uh, death rate from coronavirus, not just in Seattle but around the country, and then homeless, uh, the homeless population also very much at risk. So in other words, this is not something where you were trying to go back and recreate what happened. You were in Seattle at the time. You were there with cameras and could capture what was unfolding, or at least many aspects of it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, we were there. And, we, you know, our first meeting was sort of coronavirus has hit. We have crews out on the street. What do we do? I mean, it's obviously very risky to be shooting these stories. What do we do? And, and our, our photographers who are phenomenal decided we really left it up to them. They're the ones who are kind of the front line. They decided they wanted to stay and capture this story and see how people were responding to this crisis. Tell us who was most important for you in terms of being able to get behind the headlines and understand more profoundly what was going on. Who are the principal players who were also uh, willing to be helpful to you uh, in the making of this film? Yeah, we interviewed a lot of people, and as most documentaries go, you, you shoot for hours and hours and hours, and then you take a small chunk of that and turn that into your project. Um, we talked to a woman named Stevie who's living in her car with her daughter. She lost her job. She used to work at Amazon, lost her job, and uh, was living in her car with her daughter. So imagine when the schools are shut down, as Seattle did, in order to help slow the spread of coronavirus. Well, if you're homeless and all of a sudden your school shifts to online schooling and you live in a car, uh, the stress of that, we watch Stevie as she starts sort of thinking, well, what is coronavirus? I have all these other stressors. It's kind of the lowest on the list of things that are challenging for me to becoming hugely problematic for her. Uh, we follow.
follow the public health director, Patty Hayes, uh, in Seattle, who's trying to figure out, as the first in the nation, what should their response be? Is shutting down schools too much? Uh, they understand, as most you know, public schools also deal with feeding children, uh, if they, you know, there are all these other unintended consequences if you shut down schools. And watching the pressure on Patty's staff. And then there's a woman whose dad is, is stuck in a nursing home. He doesn't have coronavirus, and she's desperately trying to get him out before he contracts it. But, of course, she's unable to do so, and she becomes his advocate. But sort of the advocate, you know, shouting through the window because she can't actually get into the building to see her dad. And, again, I think the most vulnerable populations dealing on the front lines with the virus. Hmm. Obviously, what we are tell- talking about, for the most part, is a heroic story of people doing heroic things in trying to com- combat this uh, terrifying virus uh, often under less than ideal uh, circumstances. When it comes to that particular effort and capturing it, I'm especially interested to know how anxious you were that this be a heroic story mostly about what was done right or if you were willing to also go to uh, the matter of, of mistakes made and things not done as they perhaps should have been. Was that uh, at all a, a, maybe a source of awkwardness for you in trying to decide how to tell this story? That's such a great question, and no one's ever asked me that, and I've done probably 50 talks in my life. <laughs> um, you know, you go in, I never go in thinking, like, this is a story of heroes, and I really don't go in thinking, like, this is a story of bad guys, and here's how we're going to frame it. I think you go in thinking, we're just going to watch it unfold and see. One thing you notice in public health is part of the ethos of public health is informing people. So when mistakes are made, they're almost sometimes um, unnervingly blunt about things that go wrong because, you know, in many cases you're talking to epidemiologists who are looking at why is there a spread over here? Here's what went horribly awry. So I I don't know that any of the people involved would think that they're heroic. I think Stevie is a mess sometimes, and she'd be the first one to tell you that as she tries to figure it out. I think the woman who is advocating for her dad would tell you she's a pain in the ass. Uh, and she's, but, but she feels like she has to be, and she worries that by being a pain, is she actually hurting her dad's care because everyone's going to hate her, but she's trying to advocate for her dad basically, you know, over the phone and through a window. And I think Patty would be the last person to call herself heroic. I think she thinks of her teams as putting themselves in danger, but there's no other option. This is what they're supposed to be doing. So I don't think that they think they're heroic at all. And I don't even think the doc is framed like these are heroes. Often, I think, in coronavirus coverage, we think of the doctors and nurses as heroes. Public health experts would tell you, by the time you've arrived at that hospital needing a ventilator, public health has failed you, right? So, so the story is not those people who are the heroes helping people who are coming in and putting them on ventilators. It's how do we keep people from being safe, which is very sometimes unsexy and underfunded. They call them the invisible backbone, and you know, public health is the invisible backbone. And I think when you're the invisible backbone, people don't think of you as a hero, and they also don't even think of you which has its own problems. It means maybe you're not considered as important. So in other words, one of the most important stories of this film is about those elements of this story that most of us do not see and do not understand in terms of how important they are in who is healthy and who is not and who is most vulnerable to succumbing to COVID-19. Absolutely. And, you know, it's an interesting thing to see how many frustrated and angry homeless 
people we spoke to who said nobody really cared about us getting bathrooms until we could spread the disease. Nobody really cared about a, a washing station for us until we could become a liability for the greater population. And when oh, this all ends, is that just go away? Because nobody really cares about us. It's just, are we vectors for disease? Hmm. That's a, you know, that's just a tough thing. Hmm. As COVID-19 has played out uh, across the country, uh, what have been your impressions of how other large metropolitan areas have handled COVID-19? Have lessons been learned from the story of Seattle? I think by some places, sure. And I think we're seeing um, spikes in other places, Arizona, Florida, Texas, obviously. Uh, so I think in many, what's happened is, is mask wearing and even the virus itself and public health has been politicized, right? Like, whether or not you wear a mask is a statement uh, about your political leanings in some places. That's really not happened in public health before. And I think that becomes hugely problematic because it moves people away from the science of what we know about mask wearing and what we know about staying six feet apart and what we know about slathering yourself head to toe in hand sanitizer. Uh, and it moves into this idea of like, but I'm standing for something if I don't wear a mask which most medical professionals and public health professionals will tell you is insane. So I think that's become hugely problematic. It wasn't really the issue in Seattle. Uh, early on, people didn't think that they were making, you know, taking a stand. In, you know, I say that in quotes in some capacity. Uh, certainly where I am in New York, um, you can't get into a space. You can't go anywhere without wearing a mask. You can't, they won't let you in to an, uh, a store. Um, but in other places, I think you know, not wearing a mask is, is celebrated weirdly so i think you're seeing some spikes and that's you know that's going to continue this story of what the ultimate path and death toll around coronavirus is Mm. this documentary film outbreak the first response a look at covid19 in seattle washington airs tonight at 9 p.m at milwaukee's uh, wisn tv and broadcast journalist soledad o'brien i thank you so much for joining me today on the morning show to talk about this powerful film Best wishes to you as you go forward telling more important stories. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it.